folks, Jeff Salzman here and welcome to The Daily Evolver. Today, we are going to turn our attention to the affairs of the heart. And I have as my guest, Dr. Tom Habib, who has been a clinical psychologist specializing in couples therapy for many years, who is integrally inspired, uh, who spoke at the uh, Integral European Conference last year and is gaining um, some attention for his mapping out of what he calls the couple's line of development, the stages that a couple, an intimate couple, can go through if, um, you know, if they keep moving. And we did a episode last Valentine's Day that was very popular where he mapped out the basic stages and we kind of gave short shrift to the higher ones, which are the, in some ways the most interesting ones. So today we're gonna revisit it and focus on the higher stages. So he'll start with a review, but before his review, I'm gonna give you a quick review. And <clears throat> so he starts out with this first stage is called safety and attraction. And this is where the adventure of love begins. And it's the sexual chemistry, it's the feeling of I found you and I'm never letting you go. And of course that doesn't last. And it's so intoxicating and so great that some people just replay it over and over through multiple partners until they finally get real and hopefully move to the next stage of development, which is called, Tom calls it the, the roles stage, R-O-L-E-S. And this is where we become a committed couple and we start building our life together and we assume roles such as mother, father, provider, supporter, and you know we become a team in that way. And if we keep moving, then we move into what he calls the relational stage. And in this third stage, there's some sort of partnership that is formed based on flexible roles and more mutual power relations. And that's where a lot of us are or have been. It's a, it's a stage where a lot of couples stop but if you keep going, then you move into the stage that he calls first love. And this is, I think, cutting edge territory for a lot of couples. And it's where we seek to really actively appreciate our partner. And we try to intentionally develop a we space where more of each of us is welcomed in. So we feel more seen and like the, uh, we can see our partner in a deeper way. And that he calls the first love stage. And then the next stage, and this is his highest stage, he refers to as spiritual love. And as he says, he doesn't know anybody who's there at least uh, stably, but he'll talk about it. And this is the stage where we become each other's capital B beloved. So I'll just leave it at that. And as I said, he'll explain more. I did this talk with Tom a couple weeks ago. He was at his home in San Juan Capistrano. I wish it were better audio quality, but I think you'll be able to handle it and, 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 and get the transmission, which is very rich and very good. And if you are interested in more from Tom, you can find more of his work at drtomhabib.com. T-O-M-H-A-B-I-B, -B, Dr. Tom Habib.com, and I'll put that on the write-up.
All right. So here's my talk with Tom. And he starts with a little bit more of a complete review than I just did, but then he keeps going. All right. Yeah. So yeah. by way of quick review, the line starts as safety and attraction. And this is when we fall in love. And it's such a wonderful time because, you know, the, the, the energy and the chemistry is flowing. There's no reality to stop the dream and the hope. Um, it's really wonderful feelings um, based upon uh, absorption and chemistry than really the more important things of empathy and understanding. And one of the things about this stage uh, that I like to remind people, any of the romantic movies always stop at this stage mm -hmm. because they don't know where to go. Um, you know, boy meets girl, person meets person, uh, they fall in love and it feels so wonderful. They live happily ever after. Mm -hmm. And uh-uh, you know, th they can move through this couple lines quickly if they both have done a lot of individual work it does, it does act psychoactively, as you had said previously, through these stages. So this is, uh, correlates with the early stages of development, our, our, our magenta and red stages of development, where we're body-oriented, we're ego-oriented in a way, but we, we all of a sudden have this merging, this union with this other person, and oh my God, it's a, it's a, it's a state change that sort of Absolutely. changes everything. I mean, that's what we love about the integral map is that this stuff all lines up, no matter what our field of inquiry is. But absolutely, this early stage is uh, on spiral would be a very low stage of development. Oh, yeah. But we have romanticized it, That's literally romanticized it to the point where we all feel like we need to live there all the time or something's wrong. Well, it is a wonderful feeling. And because um, people don't know where the real connection lies, there hasn't been a couple of line yet that uh, people really get stuck and they, they're looking backwards toward what has already passed rather than forward toward the possibilities. Yeah, right on. So at this stage is there a pre-trans fallacy and um, um, the definition of a pre-trans fallacy, I'm sorry, I flipped in the role stage. It, as Wilbur has said, it's the mistaken interpretation that a behavior motive or understanding originates from a higher stage of development. It occurs when one confuses emotional enthusiasm fired by bodily sensation with the much more developed capacities of empathy and understanding. And boy, when I was thinking of couples, that quote from Wilbur hit me like a brick because I can feel the struggle of couples wanting to look back at Satan's attraction and wondering what happened and what went wrong. So reality is what throws us out of the uh, role stage and we end up, I mean, uh, the, uh, the safety and attraction stage and we end up thrown into the role stage. And um, in the role stage, we're laying down all these lower right patterns. How do we function as a couple? How do we do give and take? How do we relate to the outer world? How do, how do we take turns in the regressive stance? 
Um, how, how do we divide labor? All of these things that go to the quality of, of relational interaction are laid down here. But in, these state, in this stage, as in relational, number three, is two persistent fantasies. First one, I made a mistake who I picked as a partner. All right, so we're, so we're now in, we've moved from this romantic, passionate stage where we now have our roles. We're doing the man and woman or husband, wife or father, mother. And we're right. working that out. Right. And there's two persistent fantasies here. The first one is I married the wrong person. <laughs> you know, because remember, they're looking at safety and attraction and all the lower left cultural imagery that supports that. And they really believe that's a possibility. And the second one is other couples get to live at safety and attraction and I don't. And that's not true. Um, I, I, and sometimes I talk about at these stages, love is not a constant. Commitment is the only constant we're capable. Even at the spiritual stage of love, love is not a constant. Now they feel a lot more of it than most couples, but couples at the role in the relationship stage and get ready to feel a little depressed. I used to say that you get five minutes of feeling of love a day. And that's not catastrophic at th this level. That's what it is. Um, um, if we were in love at the amount of time we are in safety and attraction, how would we get anything done? I mean, it, it's so infatuating, it's amazing. Right on, yeah. So moving on. All right, so and, just, just to uh, hook this up with the developmental model, you would say mm -hmm. that this is the, uh, uh, the correlates with orange which is, um, you know, where we sort of have lost our religion and we're building. We're actually partners in building something. Yes, the role yeah. stage. I love that. I never thought of it. It is that disappointment of losing the infatuation, the religion, the mythic almost belief. Mm -hmm. And there is a morning. ever after. Right. There is a morning of that that I'm frequently encountering couples and, and trying to tell them, don't catastrophize that. This is the evolution. Now, if you're really young, you walk out of the relationship because you don't understand that yet. Yeah. You can't tolerate losing your religion. That's really a nice way to put it. Right on. So stage three, the relational stage, correlates with green stage. And it really didn't come online to 1964, the mid-60s, with a lot of the other things that happened during uh, what Houston likes to call that axial time, you know, when we really did a shift in level, and we really began to function as a partnership. At least we, you know, we saw it as a leading edge, and it took a lot of work to get there. So that there were flexibility, you know, there was uh, give and take, the cream rose to the top, um, you know, a woman became more empowered, um, the notion of the uh, equanimity and equality really hit, and we really began to work as a partnership. So if I can get most couples to this stage, you know, where the lower right processes are working, the problem solving and giving, taking, 
I always say, I like to call it a day. Most people stop therapy at this stage. Yeah. But notice those two persistent fantasies are still here at this stage. I married the wrong person. Other people get to live at safety and attraction and none of it's true. Right. No, so, that is such, that's such a, a good analysis of the pattern that I, I certainly had. I'm, you know, and I'm gay, you know, I, I, we were always sort of making it up as we went along, but still yeah. we moved through these roles and had those same feelings. And, you know, three husbands later, I think I got, I'm ready to move on to the next one at least. Wow, that's a, lot of, <laughs> that's a lot of pain to go through. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's what people do is because they're in search of that higher feeling and they keep looking in the wrong direction. Uh, I call that a black hole in the paper I wrote, you know, a cultural black hole because it orients people in the wrong direction. And all the nonsense of plastic surgery you know, in the heterosexual world, one woman not being able to age. Um, I mean, all this stuff is an artifact of this need for deeper connection. And yeah. as you and I know, and people that saw the Valentines, uh, there is hope. You know, yeah. when you start reaching the boundary of first love, you start getting more of that juice back. All right, so now we're in this fourth stage. We've gone through safety and attraction, that romantic stage, the roles where we're, you know, working it out, relational, where feminisms come online, we're equal, we're partners in a new way. And now, this is where a lot of people are. This is kind of, in some ways, the cutting edge of the mainstream. And then we're moving into what you call first love, which is the fourth stage. Yes, the healthiest couples are at relational, just like the healthiest, uh, I mean, the most... Developed people are at the green stage and they're ready to make that transition to first love. And on the Valentine's Day, we did the, um, you know, the injunctions of how to do that. Um, and people sh should go back there because there's eight techniques that help you breach that boundary into it. But I do want to describe first love. Uh, if, if, if I could be interrupt, Tom, when you talk about our Valentine, you're talking about our Valentine's um, uh, episode that we did. That's on the DailyEvolver.com. It's on Integral Life, and uh, that's the first talk that we had. Yes, and that has the eight techniques of how to get here. We don't have time today to to go through those, but you know, I encourage people to go back and listen to that um, and whatnot. So in this, in this slide, I'm showing you the papers that if you want to do a deeper academic dive, I updated the paper this year and added more as it emerges uh, in my thought and discussion around this and whatnot. But by way of introducing first love, one of the things that got me onto this couple line is from doing therapy with couples. And I made the observation but why would a couple do 85% of the relationship well and the 15% wrong became 80% of their state experience? And that really opened up a lot of thought to me. That, that helped open up the pre-transcendent fallacies that are at safety and security and role stage. And I began to understand how to get into first love and you can see why this question did that for me. And 
The way I love to introduce first love is to get out of our intimate relationship and think of this hypothetical neighbor. And the situation is you're really sick. And what's happening to, uh, during this while you're sick, your neighbor comes over, they decide they're going to do dishes for you. They make a run through the pharmacy. Um, they might even do a load of laundry. Um, they, do, uh, um, they make sure you're doing well. I mean, our gratitude for that great neighbor would be enduring. I mean, we would feel such gratitude in that. And that is the, um, what we want to um, remember what happens in first love is that our, our spouse, our partner is that outstanding neighbor. They are the person that is really devoting their life to build a life with you. So as in our own individual practices, when we learn how to tap that gratitude, that ever-present joy that's aware, then we're doing the same thing with our significant other. We're not allowing that 15% wrong to define the state. It's the abundance of the 85% right. Ah, lovely. Yes, thank you. In addition to those eight injunctions people need to do. Yeah, right on. So, uh, the final stage is spiritual stage before we start to take the deep dive. And this is really rarefied ground. I, I, I have personally never seen a couple here. Um, so this couple have second tier, if not third tier capabilities. And when we look at the, the granularity of what they've accomplished in terms of handling experiential moments, it's really extraordinary, but this is how we're going to pixie dust people, is do a contrast, and this slide you can see, between first love skills, which are prodigious, I mean, when you have this as your center of gravity, I really believe as a couple, you are on the leading edge. Um, and because it is quite something. Um, I'm always amazed, Jeff, when we go to these conferences, how it's easier to hold presence with a stranger than it is with our intimate partner. Yeah. Um, do you feel that also? Yeah, totally. Uh, there's not so much baggage or subterranean crapola or you know just stuff that that's online you just you know you can do it and, and that's what christine has said to me also she says in order to hold first love i have to compartmentalize the times when you haven't been in your higher self yeah and that's true. I mean, none of us are always at our higher self. I mean, it's not transcend and exclude, it's transcend and include. Even some of that shadow, even though we do a lot of cleanup, as Ken says, it's going to persist. So we're not always going to be at our higher self, um, you know, as we go there. Right. So I want to look at the, um, can you see these, uh, yeah. Bailey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So look at the second one here. Uh, on the first slow, some ability to look at self while your partner is observing. I mean, that really tests how much cleaning up you have done. 
it really tests how much upper right control can you down-regulate so you don't feel overexposed in that moment. Because your partner's looking at you and you may be discovering something and you're beginning to open up that ability to use that their perspective for an observation. You know, in, in the lower levels, what happens at this uh, stage is, you know, when the partner begins. Um, at the relational level, you're beginning to stay open to more interpretations but the physiology kicks in and you go, I don't always do that. Um, I, don't, I don't know, you do it sometimes too. And all that intensity, you know, the, the issues around safety and security, I mean, because they're not all cleaned up and ordered, because the relationship doesn't have that level of trust developed yet, everything shows up in that moment into a moment of more chaos than it does at first love. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I'm, as you talk, I'm thinking about my relationship with Chuck. And uh -huh. we can do this. This is one we have a pretty solid grounding in. And what has been helpful for us is mm -hmm. because, you know, he's a six and I'm a five. And you don't have to know what that is, except to know that uh, these, this is a personality profile test. And mm -hmm. Part of the profile is seeing what your shadow is or seeing what your sort of downside is. And both of our downsides are right on, you know, we're textbook. Mm -hmm. And so that's given us, and that's the beauty of personality profiling in general, is that you see that, oh my God, I'm not defective. Uh, I'm just actually a type. Uh, you know, no. I, I'm a constellation of this human, you know, thing. And uh, it has its downsides and shortcomings. And then we can become friendlier to it. And, and so one of the things that Chuck and I do is that we really mostly enjoy, sometimes we annoy each other, but mostly enjoy these shortcomings that we have. And in doing so, uh, they're healing or they're, you know, changing. They're still persistent. They're stubborn. But we're friendlier, I guess, is the best way to put it. Right. And it's not, you're not turning into it a moment of chaos. Right. Because of the familiarity you have with that aspect of yourself, during those moments of transparency, you can participate rather than be hijacked by the amygdala in the upper right. Yes. And I mean, that's quite an ability to, to do. Yeah. Most and if, he, if I see him be hijacked, I can point it out. If he sees me be hijacked, he can point it out. And we're mm -hmm. both sort of having fun with it because, and I think this is actually just, you know, part of the integral stage in general is that we can see ourselves from a witness perspective to the point where, oh, Jeff, look at you. You know, I don't actually have to defend this Jeff all the time. I mean, he's a mess, but there he is. God bless him. I mean, I can actually see myself in that way and, and have a, you know, a relationship with myself, you know, right. from a distance, if you will. So that transparency, even at uh, stage four, first love, is coming online. But in spiritual yeah. love, it's really online. It, it's like, wow, bring it on. So look at the one above. And okay, first yeah. There's increasing awareness of shadow. 
and ownership of it. So the, the territory that we can participate on jointly expands because it's not just the gross level. There's deep, subtle level, there's emergent levels coming online, and I'm not panicking at that level. Whereas a spiritual love shadows now a, a signal for new discovery, and the, and the couple's going, wow, I didn't see that. Say more. Yeah. They're relishing the emergence because there's no lower right, an upper right, taking off. And they have that ability that, say if it really is point, say if the emergent is quite a huge discovery, that person at spiritual love can shift into third person perspectives, you know, immediately so that they're not hijacked by the physiology. They can go to themselves at a cognitive level this is what I want. I want to know this stuff. This is amazing. They take a yeah. deep breath. They self-soothe. So that's the third one. Quick adjustments to exposure and the spiritual love skills. And that's an area I'm playing with right now is what kind of perspective is going on in order to, to create that exposure. I think of those telescopes, you know, with big mirrors, Jeff. And my understanding is they have little actuators on the mirrors that create fine adjustments to get that resolution so that they're not getting the distortion through the atmosphere. And I think of that on a cognitive level in the same way is how do I show up? Am I really resolving myself to have presence where I'm open to their um, energy in addition to my own? and play in that space. Yeah. So let me respond to that because I, I, I think I'm getting it and I, I think I love it. Is first of all, you're saying that a lot of times these, um, the, these new views that come into uh, being in our upper left, that is our own interior, our own consciousness, get hijacked by our upper right, which is our physical body and our, you know, emotions and, you know, that the kind of endocrine system and all of that kind of stuff. And that those have to sort of be a little bit uh, aligned for, for th these realizations to actually take hold, correct? Absolutely. The upper right is the number one inhibitory process preventing emergence of insight. Yeah. So the interiors get hijacked by the exterior, so to speak. The, 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 the mind and heart get hijacked by the body's response. So that's good to know. So, mm -hmm. and we can work with that because mm -hmm. we can actually, again, from a witness point of view, see the physical response. Oh my God, look at me, I'm sweating. You know, look at me, I, 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 my breathing, my heart rate. And so we could see it instead of be it. And that uh, opens up more space and we're sort of moving along here. And so if we look at what you just, the distinctions you make between stage four and stage five regarding shadow, it's your very first topic here. So mm -hmm. stage four, this first love stage, I'm getting increasing awareness of my shadow. And, and, and that's right. Uh, right. Stage five, I'm not only aware of my shadow, I'm loving it. Right. Oh my God. Uh, there, you know, it, it's, it's, 
the territory that I now have to inhabit and explore. And there's so much juice there. Right. And it's, it's a market. Right. It's been hidden. It's a market. It's not anything to panic on. Um, and, you know, you can see how much the growth accelerates. I mean, I call this couple cosmic tourists because they are just sailing together. And we feel that with people that can open presence. I mean, we, get, we develop such synergistic energy in those moments. You can imagine with couples what they're capable of because the territory they share together, everything from the physiology, the sexualized, to the history, that if they can develop circuitry that can handle that amperage, they're gonna soar. Circuitry that can handle that amperage. Wow. Right. Cool. Because right. I realize, I mean, and this, you're helping me realize this, that part of my challenge is that my circuitry can't ha handle my amperage. Me neither. I'm talking about this. I can't always do it. Perfect. Yeah. But it, it well, does. I, I will say, if I, if I may, that, uh, you know, Chuck and I do have that. Mm -hmm. Of spiritual love thing going a lot of the time, you know, so he's a six. So he's mm -hmm. has, has a lot of anxiety. It's, you know, it, it gets fearful and wants security and always looking for what might go wrong. And that's mm -hmm. becomes sweet to me. It's charming. And because it becomes that way to me, it becomes that way to him. And that's good. So, and then I'm a five and I'm kind of stingy with my time and I don't want to be bothered and I want to be left alone with my own interior thoughts because they're more interesting to me than you are. Thank right. you very much. Uh, and so he'll, you know, point that out and, you know, we become friendly with that. And it, 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 you're right. It, they're new worlds that we can explore together. They've caused us no end of pain in our lives. Uh, terrible consequences to them. But now we can enter them and, and sort of, you know, be cool. You know, you, you've got to let me meet you and Chuck together. Uh, yeah. I've got to see somebody at the spiritual stage. I'm going to love doing this. Well, you know, in that way. <laughs> you know, I'm looking at the rest of your list, not, not so much. But that, in that way, we're, we're there on a good day. Let's, let me put it that way. Yeah, you're right. We float up into these levels. We're going to be at the relational level most of the time. And then, um, as we said before, you know, even that eye contact can signal that that space we share. You know, it doesn't have to be, you know, a point in moment that we said in the first video. Um, it, it becomes persistent. And I'm really experimenting with that in couples as I'm pixie dust in couples. And it's, it's been really interesting. So, can I move on? Yeah, you bet. Look at the next one. In first love skills, the couple's still looking for affirmation as the territory that we're sharing versus, and this comes out of Larry Kyle's work, uh, my buddy, unitive diversity. Now, that might sound like a contradiction, unitive diversity. Um, but it isn't. What, what it means is no longer are we dependent upon affirmation continuously, that seeing these different perspectives and trying to ongoing appreciate the novelty 
of the different stomatas becomes where the juice is more. So I'm really aware of how much affirmation we all are hung up on as fuel. Nothing wrong with it. I'm only developmentally sequencing this. Does that make sense? Well, that last part, I'm, I'm a little lost. So I get the unit of diversity. So uh -huh. uh, I guess. Um, and I'm trying to, again, relate to it. Uh, so you know, try me again there. Just hit it again. So in, in the lower stage, all lower stages, everything's about consensus and trying to understand each other. Right. It's all about affirmation and being on the same page. Even socially, we spend so much time doing that. If I, I can find that, oh yeah. Uh, social connection evolves around finding consensus on the good, the not so good, and the exchange of experiences and information. It only flirts with experiencing presence. Chronically inhibited, inhibited with concerns for safety and acceptance. Yeah. Does that make sense? That multiple? That makes total sense. Yes. So it's that constant search for affirmation that limits even a couple. And it's only in, in spiritual love, stage five, where there's unity and diversity is show me something new. Show me a new way of seeing. And because that person's embodying it, the authenticity of that emerges in that moment, that, that Whitehead's novelty, that creative advancement of novelty is what shows up in that moment and it gives it juice. So yeah. it comes that exploration of, oh my God, what's emerging next? Now, there's still affirmation going on for this couple because this couple can't hold spiritual love all the time. I mean, they would get nothing done. I think a Wilbur's, you know, some of the pathology talks at tier three. I mean, if that couple was always just kind of enjoying their inner world together, what would they get done in life? <laughs> yeah. Well, we want to include and transcend. So we want to include the other, you know, good get things done part two. But you're right. This can probably get, uh, you know, kind of uh, addictive. Um, can I skip down, Jeff, on this a little yeah, bit? Yeah, but I, I just want to relate to this um, and make sure I get it, because uh, you're, you're talking about I'm no longer seeking affirmation. I solely. Solely. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Uh, so what? how do I deal with the part of myself that isn't affirmed by my partner and maybe ought not be? And, you know, am I getting ahead of myself here? But, you know, what's that actually look and feel like? I mean, what's an example of it? Well, remember, you are still collecting affirmations as you go along. Chuck is still going, Jeff, boy, that was amazing the other day. I mean, those are still, those never go away. Right. Uh, you know, there's so much of that we're hooked in. But it's that, that isn't, really kind of limiting how we're approaching things. When couples can't have consensus, 
it threatens to set off the upper right. You know, how many times does one person go to the other one? You just don't understand. I mean, it really shows the sensitivity to that. No, that's right. No, that's right. And I can feel, you know, even a contraction. Uh, yeah. It happens in my relationship. I feel a wall go up. I feel, oh, fuck this, you know, happen. You know, I, I do. So we got to let that be okay, right? Or, you know, just let right. that be exist in the field as well. Oh, absolutely. I, I love that Katie Hendricks says that too, is, you know, moving in more into open space, not into contraction. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But realizing ongoing, you know, how fickle that is, that contraction can set in any moment. But when I get ahead of it a little bit, I'm observing it and I'm deciding how prolonged that contraction is going to be in that moment. And what they don't call it liberation for nothing. Right. But, it, it, you know, even at the upper stages, that contraction is going to hit in. But it's stage three, I'm teaching couple to spat well, meaning, you know, you growl at each other. Um, I, I think I've mentioned before, I love it when I travel with Christine, I growl, she growls. I touch her leg, she touch my hand, we move on. Uh, we just accept it. Yeah, right on. I mean, why let that define the rest of the day? Right. Not that it doesn't occasionally. Right. It does yeah. occasionally. But that's no, I also like the sort of uh, fluidity of it. There's a flex flow quality to it because you know, we could do a growl and it, we don't have to process it, we don't have to talk about it. We just I love that you follow that up with a touch, a loving touch, and move on. Right. Your five can show up into a singular, you know, a, a momentary experience. Yeah. And he just smiles. He knows that of your territory. Gives you a few minutes to breathe. When you yeah. come back online, he's like, welcome back, Jeff. Yeah. Feels good to have you here yeah. again. Right. And, and we go. And, but this is a couple that's really tuned into it. Their attunement is really nice. Yeah. You know, at that moment. And so part of the pixie dusting is even using that word attunement and, and trying to get people aware of, you know, all four of those quadrants. And you have to have deep, subtle capabilities, obviously, to, to be able to read that information as it emerges. Um, so yeah. are we ready to jump a little bit? You bet. So I wanted to move on to, this one gets really interesting. Where is it? Uh, oh yeah, coming down a few of them, mid-page, see on the first love, where it says open to ownership of projection versus a dialectic more often than projection. Okay, so uh, stage four is open to my ownership of my projections. Yes. And stage five, spiritual love, is a dialectic more often than projection. So what's that mean? Right. Now think of the maturity that stage five says about shadow and that tendency to project it. Um, in couples that aren't doing well, they're approaching 90 to 99% projection. 
couples that are doing well, even at relational stage, it's 50-50. And one of the ways they cope with that level of disinformation is to stay open to that fact and ask a question. When you do this, it makes me feel this. Now, here's the question. Is that true? See how I'm staying open in that moment? Um, Christine and I have said to each other, some people, Christine's my partner, obviously. Some people may, may not know she's a psychologist also. But we said to each other about 20 years ago, my God, if it's this hard for us, what do other people do? And it's the magnitude of the amount of projection and distortion that goes on. So when Wilbur said cleaning up, oh my God, you better have a waste bin that's huge. Um, because the things you need to have online at a cognitive capacity to cope with that ongoing narrative that ends up being projected, and it's almost seamless for most couples. It is truth for them. And they end up doing, one of my talks is called, called Avoiding Snorkeling Mud Puddles. And that's what Avoiding they do. snorkeling what? Mud puddles. Mud puddles, okay. So it's a silly imagery, but what is it if they're seeing a mud puddle? Nothing, if you're gonna snorkel it. But that's, that's what they inflict upon themselves because they don't appreciate this, uh, the rate of projection. So, so let's go back. Example, Tom. You know, it, it's, it's so easy to jump to, like one of the ones I did with Christine in the past, and I, I did a little better ownership with it. When you don't call me, it makes me feel like you don't love me. When you don't call me and tell me it's, you're late, it makes me feel like you don't love me. Is that true? Now, there's been other instances where I just labeled her, you don't love me, you don't care about me, but I'm not staying open. I'm projecting my own upper left issues and some of my issues around not mastering fully vulnerability and transparency. And make no mistake, I don't have these fully mastered. Um, and I'm projecting them rather than staying open. And staying open is, is that true? Is that why you don't call me? Mm -hmm. Now, I gave her more information at that point. She can respond empathically. Poor information is, you know, you're so selfish and uh, you, you just don't care about anyone but yourself. And she's supposed to figure out from there what I need. When you don't call me, uh, it feels like you don't love me. Now, what she did is, Tom, really? She said, no, I'm sorry. I can call you. Yeah, well, I also panicked. I thought you got hurt. God, Tom, I'm sorry. So you can feel the empathic attunement that helps me move on. Yeah. I'm not just projecting the ugly label. Right. So, so in stage four, you're owning that you're projecting. You get that. Right. In stage right. five, you're bringing it up and working with it. Yes, yeah, stage five. Yeah. You're going, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Even though the upper right physiology may take off, you know, even though you may not understand it, and but you're going into a dialectic process. You're beginning to discuss it, and you're going, whoa, there's something there. Let's go. Let's talk about that. 
and let's see what happens. Yeah. So, uh, so you can see that the ownership at stage three and I mean four and five, and the transparent decreases need for projection. And what happens in the couple at stage five? There's a shared priority to always a search for the truth and personal reactions are background. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? Nice, yeah. Say that again. You're looking for the truth and the personal perspectives are backgrounded. Right, okay. right. And that helps lower the lower, the upper right physiology, physiological reaction. Um, I love the what um, Usyk once said to me um, in stage five, it, when I explained it to him, he called it a radical transparency. And I, I really love that. I, I thought that really says a lot of that in this dialectic, that there's a radical transparency and there's a suppression of egoic defenses so that truth and complexity can emerge. Mm -hmm. So a lowering of defenses. So, so in, in this case, uh, using the example of you and Christine, you mm -hmm. would bring it up and actually see that there's not only something that you could work out, but there's actually some fruit. There's something that can be gained here that didn't exist before that can be, you know, part of the relationship. Always. And as you always like to say, evolution is, can be painful, but it's beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful, but not pretty. Beautiful, but not pretty. Okay. <laughs> but the not pretty part is it's going to be a little painful, yeah. sometimes in intimacy. But uh, the, uh, what you said is more of a stage four couple. Stage five you know, it's just celebrating, bringing on, because they're in that dialectic. That dialectic is just so much fun. Um, and so immediately they go to that, even though they don't understand the ambiguity, because it hasn't fully emerged in the dialectic, you know, they're going, wow, this is great. And um, they're moving on with it. Yeah. Um, you know, the other things that go wrong in the lowest stages um, is, you know, Eros is helping with the ascension, but they're not losing their sense of self. You know, they can recover um, in this interaction a lot quicker than other couples. And so they're following it all the way up. Uh, and then Agape, they're following all the way back down so that it's grounded, whether it's in physiology or concrete interaction. And I know this getting a little granular. Um, well, what you're describing is the stage five uh, couple? Yes. So basically they, they can include all of the, they're including all of the previous stuff. Uh, you know, they could still be partners, they could still be, uh, you know, uh, uh, Passionate lovers. I mean, and in some ways that comes back, right? Right. Yeah. Right. And, um, right. And I mean, they're tapping that energy in both directions. 
and they avoid the grandiosities. Sometimes Ken made uh, reference to this in the religions of tomorrow. Sometimes the grandiosity of this heady space can lead us in the wrong uh, place. And, and that's why you want to, it's the Eros and the Agape that grounds us so that, you know, we're not misled. Mm -hmm. uh, the Eros being the upward procreate uh, evolutionary urge and Agape mm -hmm. being, how would you describe it? The raining down of the you know the, the energy added to the world in, in a way right 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 and it shows up sexually it shows up in uh other physical functions and simple companionship uh and deference for the people we live with i mean there's a lot of things that have to be grounded so that uh we can build, be in the world uh, and actually do this right on so um how are we doing time-wise chef uh, we're doing good. Uh, more time if you need it. I know you're, it looks like you're running up against your deadline, but I'm good. Um, let's do one more. Okay. Uh, and this is another top uh, topic. And so uh, jump down to balance and boundary dynamics. You see that on the first yep. versus boundary dynamics replaced by flow. And this is a fun thing to show you. And I'm going to take that off for a minute so that I can show you this. And this is what I mean by boundary dynamics. This is actually a um, relational stage skill. So these are two people in love. And one of the things I always show couples, you can't have more of this. This is all forms of connection. Then you have this. It's this that sets up the hunger for this. So this is connection. This is separation. And it is the flow between separation, like Christine had to fly to Denver last weekend, and I'm all alone, nothing to eat, can't wait till she gets back. And it's that flow between this and that that creates the ongoing energy of the relationship. Now watch this. This person initiates. They don't know what they want. See my finger shaking? They end up parallel. This person moves in. This person distance, and they pursue. Did you see that? Mm -hmm. This is a pursuit path. A lot of couples get stuck in that pattern. A lot of couples, they, they have boundary dynamic problems because we want this. We don't want this, a pursuit pattern. And so I inevitably have to get this person, stop them from pursuing to read it. Because in a pursuit pattern, how does this person feel about this person? Can you feel that with me? Yeah, they feel like prey. They feel like they got to run away. Right. It causes distancing. It causes the person to feel like you don't have enough power to open the attraction in me. Now, that's the boundary dynamic. That has to work in place. And 
even if you can distance, if you're panicking at a distance, which is really not a distance, but if you're panicking at that boundary process that goes on at all, um, all stages, um, except stage five, and that's what I want to show you, is then the relationship ain't gonna work. So, whoops. So look what I said here. Balance and boundary dynamics. The fingers are going back and forth real successful. Uh, they're actually they're doing that at the relational stage. And they're continuing. So there's connection and separation. Whereas here, boundary dynamics are replaced by flow. And the attunement is high enough that the couple kind of knows when, how much energy do I want to be present with? How much do I want to pull back from? When am I flooding my partner? See, the attunement is working here. They don't need as much separation. Um, it doesn't have to be as deliberate as it would be at first stage and all the earlier stages. So describe what that looks like. So I, instead of balancing our boundaries with connection and separation, we are now in, this happens stage four, we're now at stage five where boundary dynamics are flowing. Mm -hmm. What does that look like? You know, it, it, one of the better metaphors, and I, you know, this is still emerging in my own thoughts in terms of what it's gonna look like because I don't see many couples here. But I'm thinking of an accelerator. You know, you're taking your foot off the gas at times. You, you're letting, you're aware of the nuances, the subtleties of the moment, and you're allowing your partner to catch up with you. Especially if you've been on the edge and there's been a lot of transparency, a lot of emergence, <coughs> excuse me. And you can feel your partner absorbing it and you can feel your partner being altered in that moment by the emergent. And you're really creating this patient space upon which they can integrate and use what has just come up. That's flow. And I really don't have that articulated out, but I wanna go back and read Chris Kaminsky's book on flow. Do, do you know that book? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, did I say his name correctly? Sincesta uh, Mihaly is, uh, I used to practice it. I'm not sure I got it right, but uh, <laughs> Mihaly, Sincesta Mihaly. Uh, what a yeah, it's, I know, really. But I, I, I really yeah. want to, it's, now it's that I- memorable in its own way. Right, and now that I, uh, you know, I understand some of the issues in Integral, I want to read that book again. Yeah. to see if we can glean from it some of these dynamics um, that uh, yeah, are yeah, well, You know, the way he describes flow is, it's so much of what you're talking about, Tom, here is, uh, you know, you could also, it's visible in the development of a single person, an individual right. person, you know, as well. I love that, you know, you're, you're expanding it to, to uh, the couple being the vessel of evolution itself. But flow for a person is when you are absorbed. So there's a, the, the subject-object split has broken down. You're absorbed by an activity. 
and you lose track of time. And what he says, the two markers of that is that, first of all, it's deeply fulfilling, just, just by nature, to, to be in flow with anything, skiing, writing, anything. And secondly, it accesses your genius. The best of you is online. And I love that. And that's yes. a nice way of looking at what you're talking about with the couple. And, and I agree with you. When I think of how that relates to Chuck and me, I think that's a work in progress. I'm not sure I figured that one out either. But boy, what a great project to know that that's possible in a couple. Right. You know, even in dialogue with you today, um, the way you're asking questions and the presence you're holding as you emerge into that material, we can feel the flow. As you say, I'm feeling things, you know, with your energy that I'm, you're helping me articulate things that I haven't even seen before. Yeah. And we love that flow. That's why we all show up at these conferences because we, we run into our other capable souls that, that synergistic energy we, we both put in the center between us. It's just a wonderful interchange. It's um, just like pixie dust, Tom. It's pixie dust, yes. <laughs> no. Right on. Amen, brother. Well, yeah, very good. Anything else you want to put in the pot before we wrap it up? Well, I, I think this is a good exposure. Uh, if, can I mention my website for folks? Oh, of course. So you can find a lot, you know, deeper dives or other videos on this and Dr. Tom Habib. Dot com, um, if you want to find more on that, um, or as we said on the Daily Evolver, the uh, when we did on Valentine's Day with how to get into first love is there. Yeah, right on. Well, how good is this? You know what? Uh, what fun to work on. Um, uh, you know the conscious development of one's intimate relationship. Good Lord. It's always great to interview with you, Jeff. Yeah, indeed, Tom. Well, thank you so much. Love to you. Love to Christine. And thank you, everybody, for uh, watching the Daily Evolver. Bye now. Bye-bye.